right, Ethan, it seems like for a mid-June series, there seems to be weirdly high stakes before the Jason Yankees meet this week. Are you getting a similar vibe? It seems like it. I mean, maybe there's extra motivation on Toronto's part to, to beat the Yankees now that they're getting even stronger and stronger. Someone wants to tackle the Goliath of a team that they've become. But you and I were just talking before this. I mean, not to downplay it because it is exciting and, and we're happy that our listeners are happy and that, you know, there's going to be a lot of energy around uh, the stadium this weekend. But, you know, mid-June, like you said, how much ground could really be made up? How much ground could be lost? Um, I don't think Toronto's going to catch New York this year. Maybe they will. Again, there's still lots of time. Maybe they'll take a, a page out of the Angels book and go 14 down and uh, Aaron Boone will get a mohawk. But um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of hype. Uh, I still think we're going to be in for a good series though. Yeah, exactly. I think if anything, it's more of a tone center than actually like moving the needle. I don't know if either team sweeps either way, how much it'll move the AL East odds. But if you want to look at those odds after the series, you can head over to our partners at bet online. Uh, Online continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Uh, they're a sponsor of this episode. You can find the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's hockey finals, Stanley Cup finals, Major League Baseball odds, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Go to... Bet online. Do it. What do you what do you think if you were to guess right now, what are the Blue Jays odds to win the American League East uh, before this Yankee series? Okay, yeah, you gotta pull them up. Um odds to win the American League East. So like Toronto is like a five percent World Series favorite or something, or like three percent. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't know what are their odds to win the American League East. Probably the second best. I yeah probably probably, probably yeah probably right almost no, certainly I'm pulling them up right now so we won't we won't tell you probably. I'm gonna say I don't know I'm not so good at predicting this what like 16 percent 18 percent does that seem low yeah no that seems about right that's almost what I would guess too I'll, I'll hop on your guess and so they are plus 500 at Ben online to win the American League East right now that in a percentage is wow look at us 16.67 percent chances is kind go. of the implied odds so we are very good at guessing what the odds are before a series that will drastically change these odds <laughs> either way but uh yeah what do, what do you think about kind of the state of the team the news we heard today about mm. maybe a guy who could have been pitching in this series for the blue jays justin verlander yeah there's a lot of people who are disappointed that verlander isn't here pitching for the jays i mean it made all the sense in the world for him to go back to Houston, I think, coming off Tommy John. But how encouraging is it to hear that he was, you know, reportedly so close, reportedly as in he's speaking with words from his mouth saying that he was about to come to Toronto. But um, that's exciting. I think it's even more exciting that, like, Toronto probably would have also been pursuing Gosman in addition to Verlander. Maybe there's no Yusei Kikuchi if, if, if Justin Verlander signs in Toronto. But, I mean... <sighs> This new, blue, well, not new anymore, but this Blue Jays front office the last few years, they're aggressive. So I think fans are going to be extra excited at the deadline because um, they're going to need to fill some starting pitching depth and some bullpen depth and, you know, out of bat 
uh, as we've talked about all year. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question on how exciting it is, um, it's it's bittersweet, obviously, because he's having such an amazing season. Yeah, One point nine four ERA with yeah. the Astros, I think. I mean, the pr- the principle of pursuing him is is good. I mean, I don't know what much what else you can do with that that news now, though. Yeah, I think it's as much as it it is now a retrospective loss to the Blue Jays that they didn't sign Justin Verlander, who's a god. I think it's a win in two ways. One, from what he told Jeff Passan, he was very seriously considering signing with the Blue Jays, which is great to hear. Uh, I think a lot of fans are unsure of what type of players would be willing to come across the border. And that seems to be changing more and more as kind of people understand Toronto is a great city to play in. And this organization seems like a pretty good team to play for. Uh, but it's also a win in kind of, I think, Toronto talent evaluation. Like this guy didn't pitch for two years, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the Blue Jays trusted enough in kind of their scouts in their evaluations of the medicals and where they thought this guy could be to offer him what sounds like around a one or two year deal at about $25 million per year. He said Toronto's offer was right there with the Houston offer. And he signed a one year with a player option at 25 per with Houston. So it's good on the Jays' talent evaluation to think that this guy would be good enough. And he may not have a 1.94 ERA if he was pitching for Toronto this year, but he's looked super dominant. So it's interesting to see that they were in on a guy like that. Yeah. But instead, Before you move on, yeah, yeah. I think to add one more win to, to everything is how George Springer was recruiting Verlander, mm-hmm. right? And it shows, I guess, the kind of power and respect that uh, Toronto's roster has around the league. I mean, Springer is probably the most established player on the Jays in terms of like accolades, not just years, not just service time, because, you know, they have David Phelps, they have Hunjin Ryu. Um, but Springer seems to be respected in terms of leadership. We heard about, you know, kind of that conversation he had with Vladdy mm. earlier this year about maybe reflecting inward and thinking about why you weren't having fun when Vlad mentioned that, you know, this season hasn't had the same charm uh, that it did in years past. And, and that type of direction I think is helpful. And when it extends outward to other teams to around the league, I think that's notable. So if, you know, if Vlad and Bo and Springer are, you know, pitching notable free agents and, and now Matt Chapman too, pitching notable free agents on, you know, why you could come to Toronto, why this is a great city. And those are voices that people respect. Uh, I think that's, I think that's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good way to put it. And we will transition from one big name player to another going from Justin Verlander to what we assume will be Zach Collins as the Blue Jays have to make a roster move on Monday. The major league baseball put out a memo today saying they will in fact, for once, (laughs) start uh, putting their new rule in effect that teams are only allowed to carry 13 pitchers at once. The Blue Jays have 14 right now. It's a natural move. Take a reliever off the roster, put a bat of some kind on. Uh, Do you think this is going to be a reliever for Zach Collins or do you think there's other directions the team could go on Monday? No, I think it has to be a reliever. Um, Probably going to be what we're going to assume is Casey Lawrence, I think, right? He's going to likely come and take the spot of, either Matt Gage or Jeremy Beasley, probably uh, Beasley, I would think. Beasley threw yesterday, being Thursday, multiple innings. Um, didn't do so well. Didn't do spectacular. Didn't do terrible either, considering how well the Orioles seem to be hitting on Thursday. Yeah. Um, so Casey Lawrence is reportedly on his way to Toronto. You know, by the time you guys are listening to this, you know, you'll probably have seen the roster move if he is there, and we will have been to the clubhouse and seen him with our own eyes. Um, So I I imagine he'll come and if there is a blowout this weekend or they need some kind of filler innings, he will take over there. 
Um, and then ultimately either Lawrence or Gage will get optioned. Zach Collins makes the most sense. I mean, we kind of, I, I kind of kicked around the idea of maybe someone, maybe Lawrence getting DFA'd so they can free up a spot on the 40 man. But you mentioned that Hunjin Ryu could take that spot because, you know, if there are, if, let's say Collins isn't the guy, let's say they go in a different direction. Who do you think might be next in line? We've seen Vinny Capper up this year. I do think if it's someone non-roster, like it's not going to be Jordan Groshans just because mm-hmm. there's no playing time for him. But if they had to put Groshans on the roster, yeah, they could 60-day Hunjin Ryu, which is kind of an inevitable move. It will yeah. happen at yeah. some point. It's yeah. a when, not if. But yeah, I think Capper and Collins are probably the two big guys. Nathan Lucas, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Nathan Lucas is definitely a potential. He's been hitting down in AAA. Logan Warmoth was really hot. He's kind of cooled off now. We are really talking about kind of the the 26th guy on the roster. Yeah, it's quite point, trivial. It's, at this point, I'm sure the Blue Jays management cares, but you're not probably splitting hairs. And then Zach Collins is a guy who's been here, seems like a good locker room guy. And he also gives you kind of the confidence um, until Jandy Jansen comes back to use both Kirk and Moreno in a lineup yeah. and not feel absolutely like a disaster situation if one of them if the, whoever's catching that day gets hurt then you have to lose the dh or santiago yeah. espinal is catching so <laughs> I, I think it almost certainly will be collins but we don't have to spend too much time on the 26 man roster or yeah. the 26 man on the roster yeah it's the the next enemy ahead is is new york and on friday which is the day we're recording this it's stripling versus jordan montgomery um uh, not not a terribly overmatched pitching matchup for Toronto. I mean, Montgomery's been good, but so has Stripling lately. I think there are some concerns about how Stripling might handle um, the Yankees lineup, particularly <clears throat> Aaron Judge. That guy was very good at matching yeah. baseballs. Yeah. I wonder uh, how many Aaron Judge fans Aaron Judge is going to gift baseballs into the left field. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, right. That was here. last time. And everyone scrummed a child. <laughs> um yeah, so that one, that one, interesting. Perhaps the the most volatile matchup. Saturday is really good. Manoa versus Tyone. I think that's probably going to be the most fun matchup. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Alec Manoa will definitely be amped up for that one. Mm-hmm. Sunday, <laughs> Yusei Kikuchi versus Garrett Cole. Now today is Yusei Kikuchi's thirty first birthday, so maybe he has a little birthday energy to match Garrett Cole. It's the luckiest birthday, isn't there? 31st birthday, that's what they I, say. I, I, no, I do not think so. I'm making that up. No. <laughs> it, might, it, might be, it might be for Kikuchi, though. Hey, as long as they don't do a birthday ceremony before the game that eats into Garrett Cole's warm-up and he <laughs> Maybe freaks they, out. they should do that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could bring a birthday cake out for Yusei Kikuchi to get into Cole's head. I think that is a strategy. <laughs> or maybe he, Vlad just goes off on Cole again. Okay. We'll see that that helps, too. Um but overall starting pitching, I think the Yankees have a, a, a slight advantage. I'll call it slight, but slight is even generous because the Yankees are first in baseball with uh, a 7.9 um, F4 from their pitching staff. Wow. The Jays, that's really good. The Jays are fourth and their F4 is 6.4. Um, that it shows, it shows you how talented both of these rotations are. Um, but it tells you that, you know, the matchups are probably going to favor New York this weekend because Toronto isn't, I mean, Manoa is their best starter, um, but that's probably, that's, you know, he's sandwiched between two of their, I would say, other weaker starters in Stripling and Kikuchi, guys who you don't maybe have as much faith in. Um, yeah, Toronto dodges Nestor Cortez. That's that's a big deal. He I seemed think to do they well dodge. Left. 
Severino too. It's kind of weird. He did get mm, COVID IL yeah, scratched, but he got he took, got taken off the IL today. So yeah. I don't know if like are we going to see Luis Severino uh, pitching in a bullpen, bullpen role or in. something? That would be dangerous. Yeah, the numbers, both rotations, uh, the numbers have sagged just kind of a little bit in June. They haven't been quite as dominant, but still near the top of the league. I, I think they're both in the top ten in terms of WAR um, or. I can't remember how I evaluated it, but they're in the top 10. Um, I think Toronto needs big outings. I mean, that goes without saying, I think at, at this point, but the bat, the bats have been hot and, and you and I talked before, and this is kind of where we think there might be a slight advantage for Toronto. Yeah. I think you look up and down the rosters to try to compare where the blue Jays could win these games. And obviously anything can happen on any given day, but yeah, we're going to give the slight advantage in the pitching rotation to New York then we're going to obviously give it to them in the bullpen. And that's no yeah. knock against Toronto's fan. It's just the Yankees bullpen. Yankees the Yankees bullpen, bullpen. Is disgusting. But yeah, I think the, the Yankees lineup is really good. But when you look past kind of the big thumpers at the top, Judge, Stanton, kind of Rizzo's even fizzled even, out a little bit yeah, recently. Not really. It's the lineup depth, I think, is where we think Toronto's advantage is. And that's like in Alejandro Kirk being coming into the season, seemingly the sixth or seventh best hitter on this Blue Jays team. And he's been like the best hitter in baseball over the last three weeks. And Vlad's really started to turn it on recently. Springer is just the most consistent 850 OPS guy with a 350 on base percentage. He's going to hit for power. Like when George Springer is healthy. He just does the exact same thing every single week. I don't mm-hmm. is has there been a George Springer slump since we got well, here? It's funny you mentioned that because I went to check um, Toronto's uh, weighted runs created plus from their hitters. Well, only from their hitters. From their hitters uh, in the in June, I think I set the filter for June, and all of their starters, like Gabby Moreno, I believe is is under a hundred or even just at a hundred. Every single one of their starters, so Biggio, Tapia, those guys included, all above a hundred. Wow. For June this month, everyone. Yeah. Um, so every Vlad, I, I believe, an above an average hitter. Yeah, yeah. And Vlad was, I, I don't know if Vlad was up around 200. I know that Teoscar Hernandez was at 189. That's wow. huge because he is starting to come on. Even yesterday, Thursday in that loss, you know, he hit another massive blast. Uh, that's big for him. Springer was the lowest of the starters. Wow. At 111. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it, it speaks to how strong that lineup is. Um, yeah, but like you you mentioned the big boppers at the top for New York. Containing them is just going to be key. I mean, I know that's kind of a cliche and an easy, an easy cop-out of an answer or a key to the series, but I mean, Judge has, he's the, the only guy on either team with over a 1,000 OPS. Um, this season, he has a 944 OPS against Toronto. That's not necessarily rooted in like, you know, frequency of hits. It's the power. Mm-hmm. I believe he's slugging over 600 and his 677 slugging this year leads all of major league baseball. Um, he hit that, that bomb off Jordan Romano earlier in the season, the walk off bomb. Kurt, or off, off uh, Manoa too. There was that last time they met, there was the battle. So it was just sliders away, sliders away, sinkers in. And then judge finally got him. I think yeah. final at that. that, that one was at Rogers center. It was, could yeah. that have been the home run that the child caught? Could well have been. Yeah. Could well have been. We'll have to go back and, and watch that, which I won't do. Um, <laughs> but Aaron Judge has just been so dangerous. I mean, he has 25 home runs in like 60 games, 61 games. Um, how they pitch to him, they're already going to be pitching to him delicately, I hope. Maybe maybe the key is to be aggressive. I like, I'm not a pitching coach. I don't pre- pretend to understand 
know how to pitch to guys individually. I can't get in pitchers' heads, but I mean, it's Friday. You're raw stripling. I mean, how are you pitching to Judge? Are you are you throwing in the changeups that that have been working and praying to God one of those doesn't hang, or or are you using the the slider cutter away and and trying to 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 do something like that? I know I talked to Ross Stripling like I don't know a month and a half ago about kind of how he navigates this Yankees lineup. So I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I know he said the key to Stan was not trying to spin stuff to him. So no sliders, no curveballs, especially mm-hmm. not in the zone. Those are going to end. 500 feet the other yeah. direction so i know definitely you're going to be looking for the fastball and more likely the change up against him judge like the issue is this year i'm no batting coach hitting coach or pitching coach but i don't know if he has a weakness i don't know if there's a thing aaron judge is bad at this year obviously still striking out a little bit because that's just kind of part and parcel with his approach i know we've seen manoa really keep him off balance in previous years with kind of the sinkers high and in and then trying to bust them away with the slider, but you just can't miss with that slider. And I think if there's been a weak point of Manoa's game this year is he has had a few hanging sliders and he can get away with them just because everything he throws moves so much. I don't know if you can get away with those to Manoa. So I would try two seamers sinkers inside. It'd be my uninformed pitching coach yeah. idea. Your thesis of no breaking stuff to stand and judge seems to kind of hold up and, so basically I've cracked the code because I just went on Savant, typed in Aaron Judge's name, scrolled down to his splits by pitch. And basically I'm, uh, I'm Pete Walker. Um, <laughs> hopefully he does a little bit more than this. I would hope so. Yeah. But uh, so Judge is slugging 815 against fastballs this year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and against breaking balls, he's slugging 766. But against off-speed pitches, so I would assume that would be splitters, uh, change-ups, um fork balls palm balls do those get thrown anymore knuckle balls, maybe? The <laughs> knuckle ball? off speeds that aren't breaking um yeah he's slugging 159 wow so okay. that is wickedly um significant i think so stripling with his change-ups which he loved and he's talked almost every start about you know that being the key for him throwing the change up to right-handed hitters uh that could Maybe the stripling Yankees matchup isn't as lopsided as we thought. The th- the only issue is, I think he's seen they've seen that this year. Like they've seen the raw stripling mm. versus New York start, where he was randomly throwing these changeups to righties, and I think it was what he went four innings on May second against New York. That's not terrible. He struck out three, didn't walk a single batter, let up six hits, two earned runs, no, only one homer. I think that's big. Like, that's a good outing. But also, I remember after that start, we're like, wow, like Stripling was throwing a lot of changeups to these right-handed hitters. That was weird. If we're thinking that, they're thinking <laughs> that. And obviously, think they the, have baseball savants? I think they probably do. <laughs> and I think they also, like, they're going to be sitting on it. So it's then on Stripling to figure out what to do next. And he's the type of guy that's kind of good at piecing that puzzle together mm-hmm. mid-game. Yeah. But, like, if you make two bad changeup pitches and the, there's three runs on the board with a two run homer and a solo shot, you might not have enough time to really figure out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, worth noting that he said in that start, those were the worst baseballs he's seen all season. That was like mm. May 2nd, that series against New York. He said like they weren't even rubbed up at all. He said they're as white as my pants <laughs> motioning to his pants to show how white the baseball was. Um, we saw that kind of yesterday with Kevin Gosman. He was seemed to be, he threw away three balls in a row and was like, what the, 
bleep is going yeah. on here. Um, so worth noting, it was he still seemed to turn in a good start. I think with Stripling, though, like you kind of glance through his game logs and like not really a ton of walks lately. No. Like since yeah. May 24th against St. Louis or before that, like he's had one walk. He in hasn't his last, had like, over six one starts. walk in any single game he started this year. Oh, except at the top. Oh, that that's not a relief start. Yeah. <laughs> Some relief appearance. Yeah. That was like an inning oh, beat against Texas. Texas. We can God, throw those. It feels those like out. a millennium ago. Still 100 games to go. Oh, we're, only, we're only 61 through, die. 62 through. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that'll that be key. Um, Kikuchi, man, I I don't even really know where to go with an analysis on him at this point. It's like, you don't walk, guys. You're good. Like, you have such good stuff. When you trust your fastball, you're good when you cookie cut and then teams know to lay off the edges, they can sit in the middle, you know, you, he gets annihilated. Right. I mean, it's that, that's, that's a over an overly simple analysis, but I mean, against New York, he's had, he's had two starts this year, against three starts this year against New York, one quite bad. The first one, but even that it was bad. Definitely. Like it's, it's, it's like it Kikuchi bad. bad, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, Holy crap, it's only been three innings. He's thrown 79 pitches. pitches. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's one of those ones. But like, he still he, only let up two earned runs. Well, I mean, like, look at innings. what was his start against Kansas City? It was like he threw 45 pitches in the first inning. Okay, he allowed three earned runs. But like you can get out of that, you know, let's say he gives up, you know, two a single a walk and a homer, and then like rolls out of the inning with 30 pitches. Like you could expect him to still go. It's just the way he does it. Mm-hmm. Like four walks. Like, are you kidding me? And then to Baltimore, like the same, you got to look back and think that some of those games are so winnable. Um, so I, I think at this point at Sunday, like you're, you're not really expecting to win that game against Garrett Cole. Are you? Unless like the thing Cole is, gives up how many home solo yeah. home runs in a row did to give up to the twins back to back to back to back start to the back. game, but the Yankees still won. They game. still won. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, the Yankees are really, truly uh, like a death star of a team this year. I think um, I have a little more faith in Kikuchi versus the Yankees just based off that other the last start. two starts where he's oh, yeah. 11.1 two. innings, three total earned runs, 14 strikeouts, and four walks. I think we've kind of – obviously, we, you can't be in a guy's head, but I think it is kind of confidence to throw, especially that fastball over the plate, is huge for him. I think he can look back on those two outings and understand that they just could not hit that pitch and whatever he was doing then to do it again. And so if that helps him be in the zone a little bit more, if that helps them create a game plan to help him attack these hitters, that could be the difference. And he could rattle off another, he was one of these starts. I forget which one it was, was almost a no hitter. Like he was going six innings and had let up no I think, one I think hit. That was the Romano walk off yeah one. that would be the may 10th start then yeah because they won the other one but yeah he was great i mean is that the best we've seen him all year i think against that, seattle that seattle three was game that. stretch was definitely the best we've seen from him. yeah man i i wonder what p walker and you say are up cooking in the lab because you know it was the changes he made were noticeable when he came out you know around that time in, in early may mid-may and the leg kick was was different and you know the pitch mix was different and that was super exciting and super effective but We've seen him kind of regress to the to the middle here, um, and his ERA is up over five. It's going to be um, it's going to be a, an important start for him, an important start for Toronto on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's now that Ryu's gone, Kikuchi might be the key to the season. Like I, I think 
he obviously they could make a trade and that could be the key to the season. But I think until the deadline, it's what you get from Kikuchi is going to define whether or not this is a 89 win team or a 99 win team. Yeah. If this is an 89 win team that that would be a, a little bit concerning. I mean, I guess the bar, the bar is high for Toronto because the last year and I think the Yankees have kind of distorted what a good team looks like. Like yeah, for normal sure. good teams aren't 44 and 16 or whatever they are this season, you know, and Toronto, like it should be winning their division, right. With the record that they have, or should be close at least. I mean, you go to the AL West, you go to the AL central. Uh, those, those are all close. Um, yeah. I think I agree with you that Kikuchi is a key to the season because the top three guys, I think you have, you know, they'll have their blips. Like it seems like Gosman's going through a bit of a, a bumpy stretch right now, but you, you can trust him and his experience to kind of get out of that. Um, track record, as Charlie says so often, Charlie Montoyo. Um, he likes to, to emphasize track record, but someone who doesn't have a track record yet, but has been good since he joined the Blue Jays. Gabriel Moreno, Mitch, what have you liked from him so far? Oh, you're not willing to call his, what is this, three starts and five hits a track record? I'm willing to say that he's... Well, a minor league track record. Yes, that's... Minor right. league track record is good. You know, I'm willing to bank that Gabriel Moreno is going to hit 333 for the rest of his career. You know, I think... Well, but no, I, I, all jokes aside, I think Gabby has kind of been as advertised. Yeah. I know we talked a little bit about this. Maybe he's not... like His numbers right now is like actually seven like hitting around 300 mid to high three like a 370 you're gonna take that you want the slugging to maybe be a little higher like but even if he gets the slugging up to like 370 yeah this is i think you take what you yeah it's it is very much doubles power right now i think i don't think we're gonna see even double digit homers from moreno this year if he plays for the rest of the season man i i wouldn't be surprised if he didn't hit a single homer yeah yeah, that's true if adley rutschman's taking a month at his first i think it might be a while before we see gabby's but I'll defer to you on the behind the plate stuff. Uh, we can come back to the bat if you want, but what have you kind of liked maybe set aside the arm? Cause that's kind of a whole different discussion in terms of the game calling, the receiving all of kind of those intangibles behind the plate. Yeah. I haven't really had a chance to dive too deep. Cause I, I mean, we've been kind of bouncing it out of the ballpark this week. I was on Baltimore Orioles coverage for MLB.com. Uh, but he seems to be receiving the ball. Well, I like, I like his setup. It's very loose. It's very athletic. He drops his, right knee instead of his left knee on some plays which um i'm not too sure if all catchers do that but it's definitely unique it allows him to to be able to block really athletically and then how quickly he jumps up from his stance there um on that one knee and then pops up and throws the second is really incredible i mean the ball is just in and out of his glove and and you know like a like a shot it just fires down a second so uh two for five on caught stealing uh, you know, some, a lot, a lot of those are on the pitcher. I mean, not to just say that Moreno is just phenomenal that only stolen bases come from the pitcher, but some of those are, uh, Jorge Mateo, I, I think took two of three bases off of him. On, like the best base dealers. Mateo is literally, literally the fastest player in the entire league. Um, so Gabby threw him out the first time. That was really impressive. Um, I think, you know, with, with what we've seen receiving, blocking, throwing, I, I say this and I believe this that he is the most physically talented catcher on the Jays roster. I, I, I think it's hard to make a case otherwise with what he's capable of doing. I don't think you're going to argue that Kirk is more athletic. I don't think you're going to argue that Danny Jansen has a better arm. Uh, I think Gabby does it all. I think that the toughest part for him is going to be managing the pitching staff, right? Something that Jansen does very well. Just the conversations you have 
you know, in the clubhouse beforehand, in the pitchers' meetings, um, your in-game communication with the uh, with a pitcher. You know, you know when to, uh, you know, give him some support, and you know when to press him and challenge him a little bit and say, you know, like what the hell's wrong with you? You know, it, there are there is a um, an important uh, element of that relationship that I think you know catchers need to to work on, and especially when you're you know Moreno and you're four games in your career, you have to kind of maybe not go full in. You're a little bit passive on some of those conversations, which I understand. And that Gabby, Gabby's learning English. He's doing very well, but he, you know, he's still um, working on that part too. Pitchcom, all kinds of stuff, all of which to say, um, I've been very, very impressed with Moreno's defense, but we were also surprised by one other part of his game too. Oh yeah. Uh, I was sorry. I, I kind of completely forgot where you're going with that, but yeah, I think we knew kind of what he was going to be at the plate. We, we knew kind of the areas for growth behind the plate and how good his arm was, something we didn't really see, at least from our brief time in Buffalo and kind of the highlights online and the different people talking to us, just how fast this game is. Yeah. He is, and who knows if this is going to keep up. Maybe this is first week in the big league speed where he's just busting his ass down the line on every single ground ball. But if this holds up, he looks uh, to my eye test like the third fastest player on the team like behind i don't know zimmer and then him like who i don't know I'm who gonna pull, faster I'm gonna pull up the sprint speed because I'm, I'm actually i haven't done this yet this is always fun. yeah i'm curious if there's a large enough sample size for them to give us that but yeah it's he's not a very big guy he's actually quite small maybe the smallest player on the team but out of the box he is so fast from home to first and for a guy who's going to put the ball in play so much and maybe not hit it out of the park maybe not hit triples or doubles just having the speed to earn ground balls and the singles maybe once every 10 is going to be huge for him it looks like he is the hmm. sixth fastest player on the team well above above average sprint speed guy he's in the matt chapman range which so it, it, worth noting he's basically the same speed as ryan altapia in terms of sprint speed who was touted as a guy <laughs> brought over to this team for speed. i think i think we've kind of realized that tapia is some of the elements that were like hyped up were maybe not as hyped up. And some of the elements that weren't hyped up maybe deserved a little bit more credit with Tapio. Mm -hmm. Like I think speed was jacked up a little bit. He hasn't really been that fast, all things considered. Um, I think his contact was juiced up a little bit. I mean, um, I think the power was downplayed a bit. I mean, when he does connect, I mean, overall numbers, like uh, no one's going to say Tapia is a power hitter. Um we're not talking about Tapia, though, um, though I do think he's a super um, mystifying uh, player in terms of his numbers and, and the way he goes about the game. But yeah, Moreno at, at 28 feet per second, that's surprising to me that Biggio and Matt Chapman are like kind of fast. You wouldn't really expect that. Um, but yeah, his, his speed's been awesome. And then, you know, to circle back to the plate, uh, all his hits have been singles. But he shows he like like Charlie always says he compares him to Alejandro Kirk. Kirk obviously has he's a little stockier. He's got a little bit more leverage, a little bit more power, a um, little bit slower, <laughs> significantly slower. <laughs> him and Zach Collins rounding out that list, uh, and then Vladdy at the bottom too. But I mean, we Vladdy, know that he can be fast when he wants to be fast. I think I think he just looks like he's going fast because of like I don't know how hard he's running. I think he is like I think with just that sprint speed. I wonder if it's brought down by Vlad not like running it. to first yeah. as much this year. And I think that's like an organizational thing. It's like, a dude, you are an MVP candidate. We do not want you pulling a hammy running to first base. If you hit 
a casual grounder to shortstop do not sprint to first base. I don't know that for sure. I'm not reporting that, but I wouldn't read too much into these slow Vlad numbers because last year he was like an above average sprint speed guy. Yeah. I, I don't really have an answer on that. And I don't know if that's a, something we ever will find the answer to, but it is definitely interesting. Um, Moreno though, you know, he sprays the ball all over the field. You know, you kind of watch him take BP and, you know, like waiting kind of for the, the round where, you know, he tees off and like, it doesn't really happen. He, all his rounds are kind of, they kind of look like a guy who is just getting like warming up. So like your first round, you know, maybe you don't move your feet too much and you're just, you know, working on your hands, getting the ball, getting the barrel to the ball, going the other way, you know, and then Reno does another round of that. And then another one. And you're like, okay, maybe this is just kind of how he hits, you know, he has the ability to pull, but he likes to go the other way. I don't know exactly how many of his hits have gone the other way, but we saw, um, was that his first game on Monday? I'm not sure where he kind of like sand wedged that ball. It was like a breaking ball down low. He ripped it through the hole between third and short. Mm. I mean, that that's the Gabby Moreno that I think people should get used to. He is a really free swinging guy, not like Vlad Guerrero senior free swing. He's not going to get a hit on balls that bounce. Not yet though. Maybe he is capable of it. Uh, I think that's the kind of guy he is. Um, I do and, think his approach is free swinging, but not in like a Bobachek kind of way, more in like an Alejandro Kirk kind mm-hmm. of way, where he's, he's not going to walk a ton. He's not like a guy going up there looking for a walk, but he's also not going to strike out a lot. I think he, he's going to swing at his pitches, but also like expand the zone a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of foul off balls that are close. Yeah, I think Gabby, it's like a big knock for him if he goes down looking. And that's right. the only strike that he has is yeah. he's going down looking. Yeah, so yeah, you know, you get a, you get a feeling like when Bichette's up there and he chases, it's like, He's mad because, you know, he knew he, he, that wasn't his pitch, right? Like, if you see Alejandro swing and miss, I mean, he, it's, he's probably missing because he got completely burned or, you know, he just legitimately thought he can hit this pitch. And that's all right. You want guys to take those cuts if they think that's their pitch and that's what they can go for. So, yeah, it, with Moreno, I, I, I get that sense. I get the sense, again, that he's going to be so fine in the big leagues. Like, he's the most prepared 22-year-old, you know, beyond maybe Alejandro Kirk or, uh, or Vlad Guerrero, right? Like these, we've had a couple young guys come up more than a couple really. Uh, and, and do, do very, very well. And I think Moreno was just the latest example of that. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's going to be we talk about Kikuchi X factor for the season, Moreno X factor mm-hmm. for the season, mm-hmm. X factor this weekend. I expect we'll see him catch probably two of these games and we'll see how he does. Maybe he gets his first big league home run against Garrett Cole. I think that would be huge for the Blue Jays, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, may I, or maybe he throws out Giancarlo Stanton stealing. Maybe Stanton is like, ah, oh, it's a rookie. I'll get it. No, I mean, Stanton Stan doesn't run. Who's a base stealer on the Yankees? Aaron Hicks a little bit. I don't really have a lot uh, of speed. Oh, Connor Fleffa yeah, maybe? Kind of he kind of hands. hustles around. Was Tim LoCastro on the Yankees? No. The, mm, that's testing my knowledge. I know he was. He was because he pinched ran in this last series. They were here. I think he's either IL'd or DFA'd. Um, we won't, we won't <laughs> leave our listeners in? <laughs> in suspense about the Tim LeCastro, uh, about the fate of Tim LeCastro. Tim LeCastro was optioned to the minors. Okay. He's in the minors. There we go. And on that note, on the Tim LeCastro note, um, we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up, but yeah, big series against the Yankees. Um, Gabby Moreno will be playing. I think that'll be cool seeing him play against the Yankees. That, that, that's exciting. Welcome to the big leagues. Yeah. yeah. Stripling, Manoa. Then Kikuchi on Sunday, uh, and 
by the time you guys are hearing us next week, they, uh, the Jays will have wrapped up that series against the Yankees. And then who do they have on? They'll be off to the Midwest, Milwaukee and Chicago oh, next week. A, uh, a rare but fun trip to the Midwest. So hopefully everyone enjoys that. I feel like Milwaukee is not in the Midwest. I might get people yelling at me for that. Forgive me if I just offended Mid- an entire Wisconsin, section of the U.S. Mid-East, Mid-Central. Mid-Central, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, they'll be at, in the Mid-Central. You heard it here first from Mitch. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see everyone next week on the next episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Mm-hmm.